Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you know what I use to record these podcasts? It's Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or a computer. It's all really, really easy. It's all really intuitive. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Good afternoon. Welcome to Sports Nothing But Sports with Kent Sterling for Thursday, February 6th, 2020. Brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry. Call Dr. Mike O'Neill. He wants to be your new dentist. Allow him. He's the best dentist in the world. 317-849-2933. He's been my dentist for 26 years. I know sports. I know dentistry and Dr. Mike O'Neill. And I know media. I want to talk about media today. We know what happened last night. The Pacers, they collapsed. Butler, great win, thanks to Kamar Baldwin and Sean McDermott. Purdue ran rough shot over Iowa. Terrific. The Colts, they've expanded their their coaching staff. Wonderful. I want to talk about sports media. A couple of weeks ago, iHeart made some cuts, including Quarry and Schultz here locally. But uh, a lot of uh, guys have been kind of cut loose nationally. And when we talk about the state of radio, there's one guy I always go to. He's an old classmate at Indiana University, a guy that I used to play Stratomatic baseball with and drink beer with and do play-by-play of the games as we did them. The great Dennis Green, who's now the chief revenue officer for Sun and Fun Media, But what he did for years and years and years and years is he ran the affiliation stuff for Westwood One. Nobody knows radio better. Dennis, a long career in media, and and you've kind of figured it out. And and, here, let me do that again. I'm going to do the intro on the front end, so I'll just start with a question. Okay. Dennis, we've both been in radio for a long time. What the hell is the matter with radio and how do you fix it? How's that for a first question? Well, I just go right to the uh, punch, the no holds barred. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, How do you fix it is there have been literally thousands of people thinking about this for years because this is the hurricane that's been offshore as a cat two that becomes a cat four or five and it's strengthening and we see it coming and we don't seem to necessarily know what we do or how to do it. Uh, At the end of the day, it comes down to one thing. Everybody will say, well, there's distribution, there's ad sales and revenue. There's technology. At the end of the day, it's content. Content yeah. is king. And what we're doing now, uh, and it used to never happen before, we would get a piece of content on radio, and you would go into a market, Houston, Indianapolis, Seattle, and you would say, here's the show. And so they would say, well, we have it exclusively in the market. You can't get it anywhere else. 
that's gone. Now we go in and say, here's the radio component. Now we're going to put it on a YouTube channel. We're going to put it on Pandora. We're going to put it on a podcast. We're going to put it on a mobile app. So you want to push that content if it's good every possible place you can because then what you do is go to the advertiser and say your spot's going to be heard everywhere. And that's the nice thing about podcasting, even though nobody's really figured it out uh, in terms of the monetization, is you're getting a much higher rate by getting the talent to endorse your product. We did that when we brought Bill O'Reilly back to radio. Every spot that he reads is a live read. There's no more recorded spots, no more trafficking of inventory. You just run the show, you hear the spot, and, the, and everybody at the, um, you know, at the advertiser side is happy as well because it's in the universe and the environment of the content. I think he hit on something really, really important. And in my positions as a program director, in the beginning, my primary responsibility, at least the way I saw it and the way it was, an expo- it was explained, was developing new talent, opening up weekend slots and bringing guys in or women in and seeing how they do what they do and trying to school them up and put them in a position where they could be full-time hosts or at least you had a bullpen so if somebody left or you had to let somebody go, you could bring somebody in. But all of a sudden then it pivoted and we became business people and we became efficiency experts instead of content experts. The position of program director has changed so it's not about content development anymore and content production. It's all about efficiency. And so we got guys now who don't know how to put shows together. And and that's kind of the lifeblood of the medium, isn't it? Well, there's no question. Obviously, the big news this week with Rush Limbaugh announcing the, uh, yeah. the diagnosis with lung cancer. And I was just thinking about this and talking about it with some colleagues. If I was the manager of a radio station, I would call my programmer in and I'd say, what do I pay you for at the end of the day, he'd be, oh, well, it's not about making sure the trains are running on time. You can get somebody to do that, make sure the clocks are running, make sure the spots get read. But at the end of the day, it's about finding talent. And I would go to him and say, you've got two weeks to get me a synopsis of who can replace this guy. And you can't, he said, not to get into a whole thing about the replacement of Russ, but the idea is you can't replace a, an iconic figure like that. However, you have to have a plan. You have to be incubating. And how many of these stations have been? Well, they haven't. And you're going to see it's going to be very interesting to note over the next several months what people are going to do. I think what uh, stations like WIBC in Indianapolis did was smart years ago. They moved away from a Rush Limbaugh. And now they're not reliant upon that. So they'll go on stations like that, WBAL in Baltimore, just a couple of bigger ones that said, you know what? We're going a different direction. We're going to super serve our local market. Uh, and they've done that. So, you know, that programmer has to come up with what do the advertisers want to sponsor? What do the listeners want to hear? And they do their job in terms of coming up with a content and a talent that makes sense. And I, I'll guarantee you it's not going to happen. And it's certainly not going to happen with the big conglomerates because that's all going to be done centrally. And they'll either come up with another person, and here I am a syndicator, I'm telling you, we're going to try to do that too. But at the end of the day, there should be a good mix between live and local, which is what this medium and the time of the anniversary was founded upon, and a good piece of content, maybe that's not live and local, but you can't just load it up with syndication. It's a license for disaster. Is, is it a good thing? I mean, ultimately, podcasting is kind of, you know, there are a million people doing a million podcasts, 
and there are four people making money at it. But is it is that a reasonable place to go build your bullpen in podcasting? Maybe not pay guys, but just keep an eye on the local market and figure out who's doing what, who's doing it fairly well, and and not worrying about audience metrics as much as kind of the art of broadcasting. And is that sort of serving as that incubator for talent? I think so, and not enough people have done it. You know, the problem is in television, just to give a, um, an analysis of television versus radio. So NBC comes up with a show. Well, it's going to get on 200 uh, affiliates around the country because the NBC station can't say, well, we're not going to take that show at 9 o'clock at night, whether it's uh, a drama, crime drama, or whatever it is, which you see a lot of that. They can put it on, and then they can very quickly determine if it's a hit or not. With radio, you know, we can't do that. You know, you've got to go to every market individually. You know, there are some groups that own stations and markets, and they can try to do it, but that's just so different. This is such a live and local medium. So it's hard, you know, to kind of come up with a plan for how you do it. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it's like a baseball team that doesn't have somebody to uh, – shall we say, put out the fire uh, at, the, at the bottom of the ninth inning. Right. And we're just throwing up softballs there. And you know, what we've done as an industry, and shame on all of us, is you know, there's been some iconic broadcasters that you know eventually you knew, but they can't go on forever. So what's the plan? What's the strategy? And we all have to do a better job of that going forward. But there's a lot of politics that plays into it, as, as you're obviously painfully aware um, in your position, when you're at Westwood One and you're you're dealing with all of the product and you're dealing with all of the affiliation, you're in a unique position to kind of gauge all media uh, and and all formats of the media and and figure out how to serve those, whether it's with sports, whether it's with news talk or whatever. It, it, sports talk radio seems to be reliant upon local programming. And, and as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, iHeart decided to shit can a bunch of shows, uh, a bunch of local shows. So now you've got a, a lot of AMs that they own with no local product at all. Um, is, there, is there any way to make money, number one? Is there any way to have a successful use of an AM signal with nothing but syndicated programming? That's a Excellent question. So I don't think, and I'm probably one of the proponents, but sitting here in New York, all of the big stations, and, and two of them that are one of the top billers in the country, 1010 Wins and WCBS, are all news stations. But that's in New York. You're not going to do that right. in Pittsburgh or Indianapolis or other places. Then you have the two big talk stations here, WOR and WABC, which are ratings challenged, but they're all on the AM band. There is not a spoken word format on the AM. Uh, I'm sorry, on the FM. So they do work, and when you look at stations like KFI in Los Angeles, WLW in Cincinnati, they're still doing well, but it's a handful. There's a lot of them, and the other problem is they're up at the 1430, the 1520 yeah. end of the dial. They're, they're signal challenged in this day and age with technology, um, you know, and again, I don't want to get too far afield from, from what you asked. I think, you know, the, the short answer is, especially with sports radio, it's got to be live and local. I mean, last week, if you were in Kansas City and you were on any of those stations and they weren't talking about the Chiefs, you're dead. Nobody cared about what was happening with Hot Stove League. But I will give you an example. Here in New York, and I was listening to the fan last week, and I think it was the Thursday before the Super Bowl, 
and they were talking about pitchers and catchers reporting next week, and they're talking about the injury to one of their guys, and is he going to be ready in time? It's like, wait a minute, there's a Super Bowl going on right. in three days. Why are we not talking about it? Well, in New York, you know, Kansas City, San Francisco, Super Bowl, probably, and again, I haven't looked at the numbers broken out market by market. I don't know that it was up as much as other markets because the level of interest wasn't there. And that's always been the challenge with sports. There's very few, Dan Patrick, you can still call him Coward in, Jim Rome certainly from a, a long time a traditional standard. But that's, that's really hard to find stations and talent that have had a long run of success nationally in sports. It doesn't happen. You know, they want to hear the local person. They want to hear them talk about the Colts or the Bears or the Buccaneers, and that's just the way it is. How do you, uh, from a national perspective, what's different about finding the right talent to be a national kind of breakout guy or woman from being local? What, what's the trick to it? Well, I tell folks this because I get calls all the time, hey, I want to be syndicated. Of course, the first question I ask right. is why. Well, you want to make money? Well, sure, everybody wants to make a buck. Uh, but what are you trying to accomplish? I used to tell this to Tom Likas, who's been a friend and a guy who's been in the business for a long time or was uh, on terrestrial radio. And, you know, Tom would say, well, how come we're not on in make up the big market, Seattle or Houston or Atlanta? And he'd say, I got these stations in Lake Charles and I got the station in Wichita. I said, well, look. It's really up to you. I mean, what's important? Are you looking to make money, which everybody's looking to, or do you just want to say I'm nationally syndicated and, you know, that you could not be in a lot of big markets and it's not going to be a big money maker, but yeah, you could say, yeah, I'm syndicated. Uh, you've got to do it in a way that, you know, the technology, I'm sitting here in New Jersey speaking to you, you're in, uh, Indianapolis. You can do a nationally syndicated show anywhere. I mean, you don't have to come into a studio and be behind the glass, which, on another subject, I think, is one of the other problems that we have because you lose the intimacy of being there with your producer, call screen, yeah, engineer, et cetera. Sure. But, yeah, now everybody can do it anywhere. And as long as I know people will say, well, where's that show coming from? That's a good syndicated show because the audience shouldn't know. Stern was different. Even he was in New York. He talked about it. But that was one example. I'll bet you can pull some of these national shows, and they don't tell you if they're broadcasting from – Dallas or Los Angeles or Miami or wherever, they just broadcast and they talk about issues and they try to polarize people from coast to coast, town to town, up and down the dial. It's hard, you know, because again, uh, somebody out west may not want to talk about something that's out east, but you know, what polarizes everybody? Well, right now, obviously, the impeachment and the pending election and uh, you know, the, the unrest in the Middle East, or more importantly, the markets and how that's going to impact. You know, you can get, you can get through that, but there could be a big story that's news in Milwaukee that's not really rising to the level of national. So you got to find a person that can kind of skirt the line between making sure they take care of their local market and while also hitting critical mass on a national level. And that's the tough part with ESPN. Right, because all sports to me is local. So if if you've got ESPN and and I know that the it's changed a little bit as to you know what are now their O and O's and and what were their O and O's, but they were super serving the markets with O and O's at the expense of those markets without. And if you're talking 
about Chicago sports, you might mention the Blackhawks. Well, there is a person in Indianapolis, other than fans of the Indy Fuel. The Indy Fuel, they're a minor league team here. They're kind of the double-A affiliate for the Blackhawks. There aren't 5,000 people in town that give a shit about the Chicago Blackhawks or the New York Jets. You know, and Greening was on with Golick. I mean, it was always Jets talking. You're like, for the love of God, when I was programming ESPN affiliates, I'd call Scott Mastower and I'd say, please, please don't talk about the New York Jets anymore. You know, it's, it, it is what's relevant locally. Do you know Steve Reynolds, Dennis? Yeah, sure, from uh, the Carolinas. The yeah, yeah. Talent coach. Mm-hmm. Great guy. And, and what he always says is, here are the four things you've got to hit. You've got to be relevant, you've got to be authentic, you've got to be fun, you've got to innovate. You do those four things, you're going to be okay. But those four things are a little bit different from market to market, and that's kind of the, that's the magic of local radio, right? You've got to, you mentioned relevance, you've got to hit relevance, but you need talent to be authentic too, and you've got to have a little fun. Well, all, all of those ingredients. And the other thing is, it's sort of brand building. Think about ESPN. So ESPN and Chicago brands themselves as ESPN Radio 1000. Now, right. they could be Radio 1000 and talking about the Blackhawks, but they put that ESPN brand on. And now what has that done for them in Chicago? I think you have to call you know, Jim Pastor and now Mike Thomas, who's there, and say, you know, what does that do for you? Yeah, I don't know what it does. I mean, we have that with CBS Sports yeah. Radio, which we did uh, when you were running 1430, and it became down to a cost situation. We went to a lot of stations in markets like Hattiesburg or Murfreesboro, or you know, name the boroughs, or I like to call it the Bills and the Bergs. <laughs> go, get the, go look in the Bills and the Bergs and see what they're doing and what access to talent they have, and in many cases, they don't. So they're they're starving for what would be important. Well, ESPN would or CBS or Fox. They're big national brands. But I would argue with you that the brand in Chicago, in this case, and I think you pick it on that one, is AM1000. Or here in New York, WFAN is a perfect example. The theme of all sports radio, they're WFAN. They don't need to brand as CBS Sports Radio or anything else, and they don't, and they don't want to. Uh, but in some markets, you need that as a way to say, oh, CBS Sports Radio, big brand, national, I get it. Um, yeah, but you need stuff. That's why you, know, you had your show locally on 1430, so at least they had one day part. Uh, but it's hard. You know, Jim Rome's leading into you, and Jim's talking about his horse races because he's got you know, an owned horse in the you know, fifth at Belmar. It's like, well, that's great, except Kent's going to come on and he's <laughs> talking about the, the Hoosiers and the Pacers. And, you know, you're, you're, how are you going to be able to convert? When they hear him talking about the horse, they're going to hit, and they're going somewhere else. Then how do you bring them back? You know, it's fortunately we have social media today, which helps. Uh, but in terms of traditional, very difficult. And again, going back to my earlier comment, in that case, you're faced with 1430 on the dial, and nobody under the age of 50 even knows where to find 1430 on the dial. And even more importantly, you go into some of these newer cars. You can't, if I challenge you to find a station on the AM band, whether it's 1070 or 1430, no one even knows where to go get it. It's crazy. You know, it's really interesting you, you bring that up. When we launched 1070 the fan here in Indianapolis, we really, we were aggressive with ESPN because the people above me thought that that was important, that that branding it kind of set us apart and made us sort of a major league station rather than 
having the content do that for us and being sort of a slow grow. They, they wanted splashy, so let's get the red circle in there someplace in the logo and communicate ESPN when really what we're doing is self-defeating. And, and that, was, that was an argument that we had internally when we did that, and it, it made sense at the time, at least to me, is the way I reconciled it in my own head, in that we only had four hours a day that were going to be local at the start, and then we were going to can Cowherd and replace him, and we did with Dan Dockage. And it's become much more local and much less ESPN. But to the extent that they air like Wingo and Golick at this point, like it's, they've totally buried that aspect of the station and they trumpet the localness of the thing, which is exactly right. Um, let me ask you about Craig Carmison in Chicago okay. because he's bought AM1000. Mm-hmm. And, and what it seems to me, Dennis, it is like iHeart and Cumulus to an extent They've kind of maxed out in the way they can grow revenue through through growth of acquiring stations. They've trimmed all the excess, and they seem to be in the process, perhaps, of selling back to local ownership groups like Carmisons, and and that that is going to somehow reinvigorate the medium. Does that make sense? Well, I think it comes down to a business proposition. So in that particular situation, and Craig has ESPN. By the way, uh, Craig has been a, a huge proponent of ESPN and has deals with them on all of the stations. In Cleveland, they're branded as ESPN Cleveland. And, when, and then you get to hear their local reporters when they go you go listen to a uh, or watch a sports center. You'll hear them when it's a story about something with the Browns. They'll have the uh, Carmazan Good Karma Station reporter that's on saying it's ESPN Cleveland. So it makes the brand even bigger. And what it comes down to, when ESPN Radio launched, it was a brand extension. It was a way for them to get more people to the brand. And now you would say in a digital world in 2020, do they really need that anymore? The answer is right. no. They'd like to keep it, but they don't want to pay the cost of operating these stations. So they... They lease the station in New York through Emmis, that still owns it. They lease the. I, I think it's a leased arrangement. I don't know that Carmel has is. bought AM1000. The only station that they still own is the one out in LA, and it wouldn't shock me if they're trying to cut a deal there. You know, maybe it's going to be Carmel's and says, "Hey, we'll get you in LA, and it's ESPN Los Angeles, and they're downtown in the um, LA Live next to the ESPN Television Studios there." So it's all sort of comes together, but ESPN wins at the end because their brand gets out there. And if they can do it inexpensively, then I think that's that's going to be the play. So, you know, in Chicago, as, as we just got through talking about, that ESPN brand, and, and you said it when uh, you talked about 1070, the guys upstairs felt it was important, but was it really? I mean, how important right. was that brand? Um, there's some content that they can give you, and that would be fine, but to take the whole radio station I'll take it one step further. When I work with Cumulus Media Networks, they left ESPN when we launched CBS Sports Radio, and we moved all of the uh, the Vils and the Bergs, if you will, the small markets uh, stations over to CBS Sports Radio. Well, what did that entail? We had to do all new logos, all new imaging. I mean, it costs money, and people don't realize you don't just wave a magic wand of fairy dust and voila. Now it's CBS Sports Radio. And then CBS decided to change their logo two years in. They yeah. had those little red-blue diodes, and they went to the eye. And so now we had to go back, and we had to pay money to change all the logos, <laughs> to change all the imaging. And it's just now 
I don't know if you know this, just from the last week, those CBS Sports Minutes that we're running are now called Radio.com Sports Minutes. So they're getting away from that branding to go for their own brand that they're trying to push, which is digital. So it's just, it's maddening. Uh, <laughs> it really is. And that's, I dealt with that because CBS Sports 1430 was owned by Intercom, which operates Radio.com. And so everything became that. And, it, you know, it's... It, it's as though, Dennis, that digital dollars count ten times more than than direct dollars or you know the, the transactional dollars that you can get. It's like everybody in digital dollars, and and they're neglecting to an extent the terrestrial aspect of radio that I think is like the heartbeat of the thing. And if if you deny yourself that, I, I don't. I I just don't understand. I don't understand the whole concept. It's like all these podcasts. As we were discussing, you know, the, the, who's making money with these things? Nobody's making. I guess it's the tonnage, right? Well, if you've I, got a million with a million with one, if you've got a million podcasts with one listener to each, you got a million guys. Well, what it really comes down to is Apple Podcast, iHeart, uh, yeah. Pandora. If you get the big conglomerators and they've got. 10,000 different podcasts in there. You're going to go into their universe and then click on whatever you want. You want to talk about cooking. You want to talk about auto racing. You just type that into the, uh, the search engine and voila, it will pop up all of their different shows. So if you're an independent trying to do it, it's hard. you've got to get on one of those platforms and then you've got to use social media to market it, to get more yeah. people to come to your podcast. But that's why iHeart has really been genius in what they've done with this because they've got – 800 plus radio stations that they can use that cum to drive people to the podcast. And there's no secret that iHeart's numbers are, are through the roof with that. And that's all because of that brand. And if, if people want to say no one listens to the radio anymore, just look at that iHeart model for what they're doing with podcasts. Um, you know, look at other things. We, we run into this all the time earlier in our conversation. You mentioned about stuff at night or, you know, people aren't listening after. There was once upon a time a story that said radio is sun up to sun down. <clears throat> Excuse me. Everything that happens after that is window dressing. Well, it's just not true. You got truckers running uh, I-80, I-70 going up and down uh, the roads all night, and they're listening. You don't want them listening to Sirius XM. And by the way, a lot of money was taken out of radio because they do sell those spots, and they all have the satellite in their cap. But I would argue... Get them on the radio. You push the button. You know, there's people that are working third shifts. There's people that are working it at night, maybe more than ever did before. There is listening there. And the beautiful thing is you don't have to go home and kick up the Silco and listen to it like it's the old days. <laughs> you could be on, you know, I'm talking to you on my cell phone device. I can pull up any radio station pretty much and stream, or I could do it through, you know, other devices, obviously Alexa and smart speakers. So, there's a ton of listening that's going to go yeah. on. And a lot of times I go home, and if there's nothing on, I'm like, well, heck with it. I'll just say, Alexa, play, whatever. Or I'll go to my phone and take my wireless um, earbuds, and I'll listen uh, to a podcast. So to say that there's no listening there and it's just during the day, is um, that's the fallacy, I think. So you got kids, and, and I've got a kid. My kid has decided that media was, was not for him. If if one of your kids came to you and said, "Dad, I want to go into radio," what would you tell your kid? 
Well, this is a perfect example to give you the saga of Max Green, my 19-year-old freshman at Temple University. So he's in the Media Studies program. He does a show on WHIP, which is their campus station, internet only, because Temple sold their uh, their on-air signal, and it's on iHeartRadio. Um, and he likes it. You know, he's having a great time. And I'm investing, I don't even, well, as you can imagine, tens of thousands of dollars to educate him. And when he comes out of school, what the heck kind of a job is he going to get? And, you know, <laughs> listen, when we were 19, we just wanted to find a place to go to see Red Liquors and get some little kings and play some Stratomatic. I mean, that was what it was all about. Well, <laughs> you know, and I say to him, well, what are you going to do? Well, I, I love doing it. It's fun. Well, it's great. I'll, I'll use all my contacts. I'll see if I can find you a $10 an hour job. It's just right. You know, how do you get people to go into that? In the meantime, you know, if I went to Kelly School and, you know, you're going into the uh, private equity or investment side, that's what you should do. Or as I always say, totally off subject, why don't you do something that will be meaningful in society? Like come up with a food additive or some, you know, alternative uh, energy source or something like that. Because I still remember back when we were in grade school and we used to do those projects. Well, we won't be going to gas stations in the 21st century. We'll be coming to like a pod. It'll be like George Jetson. It'll fuel up. Well, Guess what? I'm over at the BP standing in line, and in New Jersey, you're not even allowed to pump your own gas. So you got to wait for some guy to come out and pump your gas, and he doesn't even wash the windows or check the oil like the old Texaco star. <laughs> so this is just, I can't stand it. Hey, when we were at IU together, and, and we were playing Stratomatic Baseball on 9B in Briscoe, right? It, it, you were thinking about doing something. How did your career become your career? Yeah, you well, like the short story, because like you, you, you've had incredible success, but it, this isn't what you started out wanting to do. No, I wanted to be an on-air broadcaster. I still remember my claim to fame on a cassette somewhere in one of my boxes that I'm living in a basement is the game when uh, Bob Knight threw the chair, and I was sitting next to Don Fisher broadcasting the game for WIUS uh, you know, 35 years ago. And no, I just wanted to honor play by play or be involved in sports journalism. And I, uh, I had my fortune to work at WGN as a producer, uh, you know, with the Cubs and the Bears and working with the legends with Harry, Vince, Lou. Uh, we both worked with, uh, our friend Lorna Gladstone. It really gave me yeah. my first opportunity. And then I just had the bug and wanted to be on the air. Not because I, I sounded good. I just liked being at the games and the best seat in the house. I figured this is the best way to do it. You don't have to worry about a ticket. Uh, so I did that moving down to Miami, Florida, where I'm originally from, and I did high school games, college games, a lot of not, what I like to call the non-revenue stuff, worked with the University of Miami on their women's basketball and that type of deal. And uh, not to take it, that was back in you know the, the mid-'80s, so I'm sure now that there's revenue, so I don't want to upset anybody there. <laughs> uh, and then I went back and got a master's degree at University of Illinois, Chicago in sports management because I wanted to stay around it. But I realized after five years when I was doing the on-air, I mean, you didn't have ESPN2. There was no Fox Sports. There was no – if you didn't get a job on Channel 8, Channel 13, Channel 6 at night, you didn't get a job in sports because there, ESPN was still doing Australian rules football and cricket yeah. games. I mean, there was no <laughs> – there was nowhere to go to get a job. Uh, and I really wanted sports. And I got bad advice from somebody in the business saying, well, don't do weather, don't do news, just do sports if that's what you want to do. Well, that was a, a stupid piece of advice because I shortened my universe up by 
a lot. Not that I would have done anything in news, I don't know, maybe, but I got my master's and I got involved in syndication with uh, the Illinois and Wisconsin Radio Network. And prior to that, started a radio network with the old Mid-Continent Conference that Valpo was in along with uh, Northern Illinois and Wright State and those schools. And it just sort of parlayed into getting a gig with Westwood One back in the mid-90s in Chicago. And then I left to come to New York to work for Mike Bloomberg. So uh, <laughs> we're not shilling for the 2020 Mike Bloomberg thing. That's another podcast <laughs> as, to how, as to how that whole thing goes. But I came to work for him and eventually went back to Westwood. And I've, I've just... I've enjoyed the syndication. I was told by a guy named Joel Hollander, who you may know, who was one of Mel Carlson's sure. disciples, ran the fan, and he came to me at one point. And I, I guess I was good at what I did. I liked, I just liked talking to stations about content and figured I knew what decent content was, and I certainly wasn't syndicating myself. And Joel came to me and said, you need to leave affiliate sales, which, by the way, was called affiliate relations. And then some smart guy came to me and said, you call radio stations every day, don't you? Yeah, you try to get them to buy our products and services. Yeah, he goes, why do you call yourself affiliate relations? Change your title immediately to affiliate sales. I said, okay. And that was that. I don't even know. Wow. You know, because we never call it affiliate sales, but now that's pretty much adopted as to, to what it is. Uh, so Joel came and said, you need to get out of affiliate sales. You need to get an ad sale. That's where the money is. The rest of the stuff is just arts and crafts. And I said, listen, Joel, that might be, but try painting a picture without my paint or without my brush. It all has to go together. And it goes to what you said at the very outset of this conversation is that the guys on the revenue side have always had, there's always been this rivalry. They don't fully respect necessarily what the content guys do, and the content guys don't understand uh, the sales side of it. And then you've got the engineering guys that say, hey, guys, without us, you're not on the air. Right, <laughs> you know? so, right. Yeah. You know, trying to get everybody together. There was always that infighting, but I liked what I did. So I kept doing it. And uh, it's been a great career. Fortunately, probably took me longer to get to a point where I felt, Hey, this has been pretty good just by going through the affiliate sales route, because I usually don't hire those people to come in and be the big bosses. They hire the sales manager, they hire the director of sales, uh, but you don't see them coming. You certainly don't see it coming from engineering very often. Although one of the most successful guys, Randy Michaels, is one of the best engineers you'll ever meet. That's He knows engineering better than anybody I've ever come up against. The guys like uh, Ed Christian, who runs Saga, they have an engineering background. But you know, it's few and far between. Most of the folks that you'll talk to have come through uh, sales. So, no, this has been fun. Uh, and, you know, it's going to be interesting. I always say, how much longer is this going to work? What I do to call and get shows on radio? Well, I think it will. It's still a $14 billion business, terrestrial radio, so that's nothing to shake a stick at, but it was a $20 billion business. So it's going to continue to, I guess we have to come to the point where we can sort of draw a flat line and say, that's the new up. Let's not keep going down and eroding. But, you know, it's, a, it's more conversation. Nielsen doesn't necessarily help because of the way that they do uh, yeah. some of their statistics. You know, podcasting is interesting because – what they sell is downloads and clicks. So if you download this, you're counted. Well, in radio, it's average quarter hour. You've got to be listening for a minimum amount of time, and then they go deep into 2554, 1849. The podcasting, to me, it's like what is the, the 6-plus or the 12-plus number that Nielsen throws out there, and nobody sells that. In the meantime, radio has more cum, 
in any other medium, television, cable, podcast, and that's a fact. I mean, you can go look it up. Uh, you know, you've got 93% of the U.S. population listens to radio in some form or fashion each week, and yet we can't, we don't sell the cum. And maybe that will change at some point because I think some of the shows, even what we're doing with Bill O'Reilly, in essence, it's a podcast on the radio with the O'Reilly Update because it's a 15-minute I call it short form, 15 minute program, snackable size, and everybody's attention span is that of a gnat. So right. you can't, you know, who listens to a three hour talk show anymore? I don't, I don't know. I, I certainly don't. I'd like to. I mean, I come home and I listen to Dan's show a lot now because I want to know what's going on in Indiana sports, and that's the place to go do it. Oh, by the way, <laughs> uh, he would be a great national show too, but there's a lot of politics. Why that doesn't happen, which is another topic for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he's one of those guys. How do I get syndicated? Might have been one of the first things that he asked me, and I said, "What the hell do you care? It, it, it doesn't matter. You just got to get better at what you do, and you can make as much money locally, and he does, as you can nationally. So, so don't get blinded by the shiny object. Just do your job really, really well. You're going to be great at this, and he is. Yeah. Well, I told him. The last conversation we had, because our mutual friend uh, Bill Paps put us together on it, and I said, you can really go two directions here. One, if I was still living in Indianapolis, Ken and I could go out, and I would say you formed a sports network, whatever you want yeah. to call it, and you'll go to South Bend, Evansville, Fort Wayne, Richmond. You get on, because here's the thing, who doesn't know him in those areas? And you would get on all those stations. Then you go across the line to Ohio, and maybe you go to Illinois. So now you have sort of a regional. And then you can go and sell that to Illinois Lottery, Hoosier Lottery, uh, Illinois Tourism, all of the different uh, respective businesses that are in that area. You're not going to sell it to Home Depot, Geico, Progressive. But if you found an insurance agency that was based locally there, yes, that's what you do. So you would be syndicated. But with all due respect, and I told him that guys in Seattle aren't really going to give a rat's you know what <laughs> if you're talking about you know the Hoosiers' big game this weekend against Purdue. They're going to talk about Washington Huskies, or maybe they're talking about uh, the Seahawks and if they're going to resign Jadavian Clowney. So they don't, <laughs> they're not going right. to care. And oh, by the way, they're not going to care if you talk about it. They're going to want to hear it from Steve Rabel, the voice of the Seahawks. So they're going to want to hear. Steve Largen out there because that's their guy. So it's, again, it all dovetails back to very few people can pull it off. Again, guys like Rome, Jim Pat, Dan Patrick, uh, Coward, and, and because they have that television national presence that they developed first, that helped them. And that's why I, I told Dan this. I said, you're calling the wrong guy. If I'm you, I'm on the phone to Troy Keller at ESPN saying, yeah. Syndicate me to ESPN because that's you're gonna get on all those stations because of the brand. It wouldn't matter if they put Kent, me, you, or anybody else on. It's under the guise of ESPN. So, yeah, it's it's a shame because that show is very good and would be a great nationally syndicated product. But if I went and did that independently, and I told them this, I said we'd be lucky to get 20 stations around the country, maybe 30. I just wouldn't, and they would be in markets where you'd have to get a map out to see where they're at. And you bring up a great point with, with his area of strength being college basketball. That in this state is huge. But you go someplace else and college basketball doesn't move the meter. When, when we had Colin Cowherd on here at 1070, and the reason we dumped him is he talked about college football and really Pac-12 football relentlessly. 
and nobody cares about that here. You know, I mean, Indiana and Purdue, people care to an extent. But if you talk Indiana basketball, all of a sudden you're hitting that relevant spot, that sweet spot with people. If you're talking about college football, that's a no-go. And so Cowherd just wasn't, no matter how good a talent he is, if you're not hitting that relevant button, you got nothing. And, and Dan's relevance is, despite the fact that he can talk college football and he can talk to the NFL and he can talk to the NBA, uh, his brand value is within college basketball. And so if you're not, if you're not super serving there, then you've got a problem. No, there's no question. But again, you bring up a good point that he can talk all those things. And, and one of the things that polarizes is if he's going to talk about something in auto racing, he could get a Jeff Gordon on. Or if he's going to talk right. about football, he can get someone uh, from that area to talk about it. So that, that's always helpful. And, yeah, well, he's done a good job being in that chair, uh, serving up the questions, asking the right questions, and getting people to talk. Listen, great radio talent to me is all about the comfort level. I'll give you an example. We have Kicks Pro. We, I don't do that anymore. But when I was at Westwood and we had um, American Country Countdown with Kicks Brooks, that was a situation where there was a broadcaster, Bob Kingsley, who's recently passed away, that did a country countdown show. And the decision was made to go get a country artist. He got one of the most award-winning country artists of all time from Brooks and Dunn, and he brought Kix Brooks in to host it. Well, Kix wasn't a broadcaster, and the show at the beginning was really not very good, but it evolved and got better. And you know what really made it is that when Kix Brooks calls you, and he calls Garth Brooks or Trisha Yearwood or he calls uh, Luke Bryan, you name it, they're going to want to come talk to him because he's yeah. done that. He's been on the road. He can ask the right questions, and it's compelling, and people like hearing that. If it's you and me asking about it, it's like, well, who the hell are you? Yeah, I've always thought, and it's very interesting, I did Fred Thompson's show, the late senator. I had Mike Huckabee. I had other former politicians. And for whatever reason in politics, that does not translate because the best ones are guys that never served in office. Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, Mark Levin, Glenn Beck, you name it. None of these guys come from that background. So it's, it's just interesting because on the country music, and use that as an example, and I think sports, Golick obviously played the game. Um, there's a few guys in sports, obviously Dan played the game or coached it, uh, and it seems to resonate there. Not so much in the news talk and specifically in the political commentating field, and maybe that's because... Those guys are not, quote, tainted, although they're usually on one side of the aisle or the other. But uh, that's something that I've never quite understood. I've always thought, well, let's just go get, you know, the retiring senator or congresswoman or man uh, and have them come on and do the show. And it's just not – it's not worked. It really hasn't. Uh, very few places. Maybe, you know, uh, Governor McCrory is doing a show at WBT in Charlotte. That's doing well. Uh Beat the press, but it's not national. It's just there in Charlotte and North Carolina. For that, it makes sense. Um, listen, Mike Pence obviously did a show yeah. for Network Indiana. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it, and it was a good show and did well. Uh, he becomes the vice president of the United States. It's just, again, when he leaves office at some point, is he going to come back and do a show? He might. And in that case, it might be good because he did it. And of course, he escalated to the number two office in the land. So, Maybe that's our next show. <laughs> you, you know what? And, and the reason I think he was successful, and this might be the reason why that he survived more than three years as the vice president for Trump, is he is a really good listener. If you got like Dan, Dan is not just a great listener of others. 
he listens to himself really, really well, and he understands. In fact, he doesn't allow himself. I was going to say he understands when he starts to get a little bit tedious or a little bit boring, but he doesn't allow himself to get tedious or long-winded or boring. He keeps, he moves because he's listening to his performance as he performs it. And, and so being a great listener isn't just listening to others. It's also listening to yourself. And I think that that's the divider between guys who are really good talent and guys who are, you know, just okay. You can be a good talker and still be a horseshit talent because you're not a good listener. Well, yeah, there's no question because you ask the question and if you're zoning out, you're not paying attention, you don't know what the follow-up's going to be. Uh, you're absolutely right. Like when I guessed, I can hear when the host has tuned out and he's no longer paying attention to me at all. And I don't know how that is, but I can absolutely tell when it got, like I'll do uh, Pharrell every mm-hmm. once in a while, anytime he's got something to talk about Indiana, he listens and his follow-ups are, are really all based upon the previous answer. They have nothing to do. Like uh, they, he doesn't write down six questions and just check off questions as he goes. He's a really good listener. I think that that's his great talent too. Mm-hmm. No, there's no question. And he, listen, uh, unfortunately, now he's no longer on radio. He's doing the thing with uh, the famous gambling. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he developed something. Uh, it's funny. He sort of got typecasted into the 10 feet of 2A because what he does with his stick is perfect there. I don't know that that would work at 3 in the afternoon or certainly 9 in the right. morning. Because uh, right. he, he had asked me before, well, you know, could we syndicate my show at a different day part? And it's like, I'll be honest with you, you're, like it or not, you're the guy. You're the gold standard. Ten feet to two, when the games are over, people want to talk about it. They're coming here because uh, no one else is doing it or doing it well. Hey, uh, tell me about Sun and Fun. How's this work? So, Sun and Fun Media, <laughs> excuse me, is uh, the affiliated company or parent company of Key Networks, which we just formed uh, within the last year. And Sun and Fun has been around for 23 years. What they are, you know, it give you a top line. It's a a marketing, I'll call it marketing consulting, a marketing solution company for radio stations. So the way it works is pretty simple proposition. We've got 1,500 affiliates. The inventory that we get, the barter, that's sold by uh, Premier, we have a contract with them, so they sell that. And that's been helpful to us because probably more than 50% of our business is coming from um, – from the iHeart owned stations, which is great, but we have all kinds. We've got Aircon, we got Beasley, we got Town Square, you name it. We've got them. Uh, and what we do is this, we come in and we find out what are their marketing needs. Do they need to pay for billboards? Do they need to wrap their station vans? Do they need vacations or trips that they want to market? Do they need a bill payer? We even do a bank where we say, look, we'll give you X amount of dollars over the course of the year. Based upon your average quarter hour number in Nielsen 2554, we've run scenarios and we tell them this is how much inventory you'll have to run in these parameters and day parts on these stations over the course of 52 weeks. And we lock it in as long as the inventory runs. And you know, the good news is knock on wood 99% of the time, we don't have an issue because unlike a show, if they stop running something like this, um, We'll take, you know, we'll stop payment or we'll just take away the trip credits. And it's all done uh, on a very nice, um, you know, internal situation with our fulfillment team. Uh, if they want to do trips to the baseball whole thing in Cooperstown, for example, in their sports station, 
we can do that. Uh, we'll book the hotel. We'll book the air. We'll book other things around it. Uh, so that they can use it as an incentive. Uh, one of the other things we do a lot of is gift cards. We do about $2 million a year in gift cards. And what do we do with them? couple things. One is one of the more popular uses is the manager will say, look, I don't have any money to incentivize my guys. They cut my budget, but I'll give you some barter. You send me $5,000 worth of gift cards. I'm making up the number just for explanation purposes. Right. But what will happen is they'll get those, and then each quarter someone makes their number. They're up $500 or $1,000 of gift cards. It's a great deal. We also use that as an emotional tool, which works a lot of times in the medium and smaller markets. So, for example, we could go into, let's just keep picking on uh, Indiana. So you go into Evansville, and you say to the station, here's the deal. We'll give you X amount of dollars of gas cards from BP or Amico, whoever it is, or Marathon, obviously, big in the Midwest. So we'll give them those. We'll get the barter. What they'll do then is go to the local Bob's Marathon and say, hey, we're going to do this sponsorship, and on Friday we're going to give away a free gas card. We'll call it Free Gas Friday for the tenth caller. And then everybody that goes into Bob's Marathon on Friday between you know, 10 and 2 gets 10 cents off premium, <clears throat> something like that. Right. So we do that. We did a deal where uh, Station was doing an Alexa skill, and they wanted to give away dots. So we paid for those, and then they, they basically got 100 of these things, and they said, hey, come out to the remote. And we're giving them away if you answer a trivia question or whatever it might be. So we help with a marketing package that way. Uh, like I said, we give them gift cards. And trips and vacations are probably uh, the biggest thing that we do or one of uh, next to the bank of uh, information we do the stations. And when I came here uh, to oversee that process on a sales effort, because there's nothing really sexy about it. It's a mathematical equation. We figure out the numbers. We figure out how much inventory, what do they need, and then we pay the bill or we send them. Uh, we usually just pay the invoice directly to the vendor. We don't have anybody here that we specifically deal with. A couple of things that are an exception to that, but for the most part, no. Um, when I came here, I thought, you know, in syndication, when you go out and you say, okay, here's the Ken Sterling show. We're going to give you this show three to six. Ken's going to read liners and promos for you. Uh, maybe he'll come to the market and do an event at a local sports bar. That's really the end of the value proposition with a station. What we do, or what we've been trying to do now with key networks, is to come in and say, look, Sun and Funds are an affiliated company. You know, say you do the Bill O'Reilly show that we do. Maybe what we could do is we would do a flyaway to New York that you can uh, promote. Say, here's a chance for you to meet Bill O'Reilly. We'll set up a dinner. I'll work with his agent on that. And now... We'll do a deal for barter on our son and fun business that says we'll pay for the flights, we'll pay for the hotel, we'll set the whole thing up. And now you have a promotion, and it's helping us in terms of syndication and clearing our product on our affiliated company. That hasn't hit the way I'd like it to. It's been a couple of places where we've been able to do it. Uh, but as we evolve and get more shows, I mean, right now, uh, outside of O'Reilly, we're doing a comedy service that we contracted with that we're representing. Uh, but we're looking at a few other deals, and we're not looking to be Westwood One or Premier. We can't. I mean, the whole company's got 12 people, uh, and all of my reps are independent contractors all over the country. They go out, they sell, they get their commission. That's it. I don't have those buildings say, hey, how come you didn't get that show cleared on five more stations? It's like, well, <laughs> I was doing my independent contract work on Sun and Fun. So that part, we 
you know, we haven't figured that out fully yet. But as we evolve, and we're going to do a couple more shows, I'd like to see the integration between Sun and Fun and Key Networks. And again, no one's doing that. That's what I always love about anything in marketing is finding the thing that nobody's doing. Because Premier's not doing it, Westwood's not doing it, uh, Compass, any of these companies, they're not going to offer you. It's up to you to do that on your own. By the way, you could sign a Sun and Fun deal with me for a promotion on a show that I don't syndicate. I don't care. <laughs> as long as we right. get the, the barter inventory, that's our currency, and that's where we make our money. And it's uh, it's a very successful business. It's been around for 23 years, and as long as radio stations need stuff, we do it. And we branched into digital a little bit. There's been a couple of digital companies where we said we would um, monetize the uh, the impressions that they deliver, the digital impressions, and we'd give them, again, some of our services, whether it's trips or bill payer. It gets a little difficult there because, yeah, hey, we didn't reinvent the wheel. We're not doing anything that's uh, chart-breaking or that you had to go to you know, Wharton School to figure out. All we're doing is we're saying, because we don't have a, a warehouse here, I don't have any set hotels or airlines we deal with. We use, you know, we use the main... Um, websites for different travel and find the best deals and uh, that's how we do it i th- the the genius of this to me is being a guy who sat in a million budget meetings with corporate guys trying to explain why we need this pricing or or why we need this imaging or, or whatever we're talking about uh these things that are kind of uh line items that normally corporate guys like to draw a line through is I don't even need to deal with these guys. I don't need to bring this up in budget meetings because it's not a budget item. It's it, This is just remnant inventory for a radio station that's being applied to an expense that I would have trouble getting past corporate muster, but it makes me a better radio station. I think it's genius. Yeah, I mean, I will say the only thing on the remnant side, you're right, uh, we're scheduled 52 weeks. That's probably one of our biggest challenges is saying, hey, we're going to give you the trip in the spring, but you're going to run the inventory for 52 weeks. So sometimes I go, I want to run it all in the third quarter. Well, you can't because you've got to have frequency, and it works. I mean, I will tell you probably our sweet spot are the medium and smaller markets, the South Bend, the Fort Wayne, like doing a lot of business with us. It's harder when you get up towards the Indianapolis, certainly the Chicago's, because they evaluate their inventory so differently. And and when you get on the phone – and a manager gets their calculator out and says, well, at my average unit rate of 200 bucks, if you're asking me for three spots a day, that's 600 times five days a week, three grand times 52 weeks. You know, you're asking me for 150000 of my inventory, and I'm going to get, what, some trip credits to send people to uh, a cruise to the Bahamas? Well, yes and no. The no part is, that, first of all, that's 100% sellout. So if you're 100% sold out, you shouldn't be calling me. You should be talking to your traffic manager or sales manager <laughs> to figure out why the hell you're not effectively managing your inventory. That's a different problem. Uh, because the ones that, you know, if 10% of their inventory goes unsold, it, I always use the airplane analogy. And it always, I know they've got these bean counters that sit at United, Delta, and American, that, and I always made me mad. You know, I'm sitting at seat 27B, and all the seats from row 5 to 15 are empty because no one's paying uh, to be up there. And I'm like, right. well, let me move up there. Or, you know what, make an announcement that if you don't check in 15 minutes before, I'd be willing to pay 20 bucks, you know, to move up and get four more inches of uh, leg room, which is considered first class in 2020. 
but they don't do it. They just let the thing go, go empty. And it's because some guy has figured out load factor and done some accounting analysis that says it doesn't matter if the seat's sold. We already sold because you go on an airplane and you look at 100 seats, they've probably gotten 70 different fares depending on when it was booked. You know, it's like in Wall Street when, uh, you know, Bud Fox was running Blue Star Airlines for five minutes and said, <laughs> hey, why sell a guy a seat for $200 when he's willing to pay $800? It's like, well, it's true. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of, the same. It, it's not exactly the same, but the analogy is, look, you're going to run a PSA for, you know, uh, the foundation of uh, dogs that run homeless in the street, or if you can use some of that, you can run it for uh, I just pissed off PETA. I'm sorry. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you could run it for, um, you know, for getting something that you can use, barter that you can put to We call it smarter barter is what we always call it. It's like, listen, like I think I said to you before, people can – uh, give up barter to run uh, production libraries, imaging, crop services. But if you give me a couple minutes of that barter, and I can give you a good or service that you can turn into money or incentivize yeah. your staff, then you know why wouldn't you? And that makes sense. And that's that's me. My comment before, like as a program director. But so you're dealing primarily with guys like Jay Chapman at Whoop Boom or yeah. with Martin in uh, in Lexington. Just talking to the owners and saying, "Hey, look, you know why? Why go into your pocket with this, for this stuff when you've got the inventory? We've got the stuff. We've, we're making the sale, and and so let's just make this clean and easy. And so dealing with those, I mean, that makes total sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, fortunately, that business uh, allowed us to launch this network because we've got you know good business, good cash flow coming through from the core." Uh, and we're going to build key networks. Yeah, it's going to take some time. Uh, we're looking at different things we could do. I- I'll tell you what I wanted to do, and I backed off, is sports gambling. And the reason is there's 11 states, I believe now, including Indiana, that have legalized sports gambling. Well, here in New York, it's not legal, but if you go across the bridge to New Jersey, you can place a legal bet right there on your phone. Uh, so they're marketing it as, hey, you know, take the train to the tunnel or come on over here and get a drink at a bar and place a bet here. I think until this starts to permeate all these different markets and there's more critical mass, because it's crazy. There's probably a dozen shows out there syndicated for sports gambling, and it's not even legal in more than half the country. Yeah, <laughs> sort, of, right. sort of crazy. All right. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Great to catch up. And yeah. For, this is by far the longest uh, sports, nothing but sports, because it wouldn't even – it was barely about sports. It's mostly about media, but this is the longest we've ever had, and I appreciate you taking the time. Anytime, Ken. It was fantastic. And uh, make sure you tell the guys down at True Value that it really is True Value. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll do it, brother. Holy cow, that's a must listen. For anybody in the radio business or thinking about getting into the radio business, a lot to unpack from Dennis Green, the chief revenue officer for Sun and Fun Media, uh, a guy who worked for a long time at Westwood One, clearing shows, managing shows. He gets radio at a granular level. I thought he hit on almost everything that's really, really important to know about radio today and how this business continues to evolve. We're back to sports tomorrow. Harry's going to ask me questions. That's what we do on Fridays. But Friday morning, tomorrow morning, we're going to talk 
about sports. What do, what do we got coming up this weekend? We got a huge game on Saturday between the Hoosiers and the Boilermakers down at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. We got another game between the Pacers and the Raptors at home at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. We'll talk about it all tomorrow morning. Breakfast with Kent on Facebook Live. That at 8 o'clock and then at about 8.15 on Periscope Live and Twitter Live. It's a show so nice. We do it twice. Brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry. Give Dr. Mike O'Neill a call. 317-849-2933. Join me tomorrow morning. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.